0: Good morning. morning. Welcome to Big Valley Grace Community Church. It's good to be together. We have come to worship Jesus. This is a worship gathering. That's why we came. We came together as a body of believers to worship Jesus Christ, to lift up the name of Jesus Christ and to praise him. I'm so glad to be together here with you. If it is your very first time at Big Valley Grace Community Church, I want to say welcome. At one point, we all had a first time coming to Big Valley, and if today is yours... I think you picked a good Sunday to come. We've got a, a great time prepared together as we continue in our worship of Jesus Christ. We are in the Gospel of Luke together. We've been going through the Gospel of Luke for four months, and we've got about a month left to go, and we're going to be in Luke chapter 18 today. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible, we actually want to solve that problem today today. We have Bibles available for you in this room right here with the sign, the altar. That is a room we pray for people in after the gathering. If you need prayer, we would encourage you to come to the altar room. And we have Bibles there. We'd love to give a Bible to you at no cost to you. The church has purchased them so that you might have one. And we want everyone to have a copy of the Word of God. Well, before we get into our text, I want to give an update about my family. About three weeks ago, I shared that our family had been going through a difficult season and we're really trying to pay attention on how we might glorify God through this season. And a decision that I made was to not teach for a few weeks and that was supported by the church leadership so that I might be able to spend some time focusing on my family. And I'm thankful that I've been able to do that. And I want to say thank you on behalf of my family for everyone who reached out to us and sent us messages and and shared their kindness and their love with us. It was just really wonderful to receive. So thank you for everyone who's been praying for our family. Um, I'm very thankful to be back and teaching today. Uh, in fact, this fall, we're going to be going through a series on prayer for two months. It's September and October called, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. And the reason that we're going to be going through this series is that I strongly believe that for us to really move forward in the direction where God wants to take us, we need to seek him. We need to be praying. Praying as individuals and praying together as a church. We need to be a praying church. And so I'm really looking forward to that. And I would encourage you that this fall, that you would be in a small group as we go through this series, Lord, teach us to pray that you might experience community also as we go through this fall series. And so I would, I would encourage you to be looking forward to that. Well, I'm going to uh, read Luke 18, one through eight. This passage is actually about prayer. And then I'm gonna pray and we'll continue. Jesus, this is about Jesus. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him, saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice." Father God, Lord, thank you that we have your word, your holy word, and you have given it to us that we might know your thoughts, your truth, and God, thank you for the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit lives inside every believer, the seal of our redemption, and Lord, I pray that right now that we might be submissive to the work of your Holy Spirit, to bring the truth of your word alive in us, that we would hear your word, we'd receive your word, and we would respond to your word. We would take action in obedience to your word. And so God, do a great work today in us. Right here, we ask. In Jesus' name, and all God's family said, amen. amen. This passage is about prayer. Our culture has a lot of different thoughts about prayer. Our culture has a lot of different thoughts about God. Our culture has a lot of different thoughts about religion, spirituality. One that caught my attention recently was by a country music artist named Jelly Roll. Apparently the name Donut was already taken, and so he goes by Jelly Roll. And this is the opening line of one of his songs: I only talk to God when I need a favor. And I only pray when I ain't got a prayer. I wonder how many of us have actually lived that statement. Where we're going about our business, we're doing whatever we do, and all of a sudden we need, we, need, we need a little help from God, and we turn to God all of a sudden. We're going about our day, we're doing what we're doing, we're not even thinking about the Lord, and we realize, uh-oh, I found myself in an impossible situation, I ain't got a prayer, oh, I'm gonna turn and pray to God. Maybe... You can actually relate to this expression from our culture. I only talk to God when I need a favor, and I only pray when I ain't got a prayer. Maybe your prayer life is pretty amazing, and you're in constant prayer to the Lord, and you seek him all the time, and you're talking to God all the time. Or maybe you're somewhere between those two on the spectrum, Wherever it is that you are in your prayer life, I believe that this text is going to be incredibly powerful by the power of God in your life today because Jesus gives us this text so that we will pray, so that we will pray. This text is referred to as the parable of the persistent widow, the parable of the persistent widow. And I believe that this text ought to have three effects on us. The parable of the persistent widow ought to have three effects on us. In Luke 18:1, we see that he, Jesus, told them a parable to the effect. The parable is supposed to have an effect. He told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. And when Jesus tells a parable, a parable is a story with the purpose of teaching that we might be transformed by God. When he tells this parable and he explains that the purpose of this parable is that we ought always to pray and not lose heart, this is what it tells me. It tells me we're going to cease praying and we're going to lose heart. Because if we didn't cease praying and we didn't lose heart, there would be no reason for him to tell the parable. But because we cease praying and because we lose heart, we need this parable to teach us that they would have an effect on our life that we ought always to pray and not lose heart. So, if you have ceased praying and you have lost heart, this parable's for you. This text is for you. And I believe it's gonna be in a great encouragement to you. In verse two, Jesus begins sharing the parable. Well, well, first, before we get to verse two, effect number one we ought always to pray. And keep heart. We ought always to pray and keep heart. This is the reason he gives the parable. And so we we can understand that by reading the parable today, by engaging in the parable today, we should walk away today understanding we ought always to pray and to keep heart. So in verse 2, he begins to unpack the parable, the story. He says, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. I don't know if you've ever appeared before a judge. My wife and I have appeared before a judge many, many times. We have worked with the California foster care system for 13 years. We've had many days in court. We've had many days where we've appeared before a judge. And sometimes we've had a judge that's been really great, and sometimes we've had a judge that's been not so great. Maybe you can relate. It says, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. This judge in this parable, not so great. Verse 3, there was a widow in that city, a woman who had lost her husband. Her husband had died. There was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary." Now, in this parable, we don't understand much about the adversary, who the adversary is or what the adversary is doing, other than the adversary is bringing injustice into the life of the widow. So much so that the widow sensed the need to go before the judge and to say, give me justice against my adversary. And we also understand what the judge did because it says, that the widow kept coming to him, which means the widow comes to the judge, give me justice against my adversary, and the judge did not give the widow justice. And so the widow comes back again, give me justice against my adversary, and the judge does not give the widow justice. So she comes back again. She kept coming to the judge saying, give me justice against my adversary, and some of you might be able to relate with that. Where over and over and over, you have tried to seek justice regarding a situation in your life. And you've kept coming and you've kept coming. It's like you're saying, give me justice against my adversary. What's interesting is that Jesus is giving us this parable so we ought always to pray and not lose heart. And the topic he chooses to use in the parable is the topic of justice. Like I've already mentioned, justice comes with another word injustice. And injustice means we're experiencing suffering unduly and hardship and grief and turmoil and pain. And it's really difficult. It's really difficult. And every one of us can relate to difficult moments in our lives. Every one of us can understand that topic of needing justice which I think is why Jesus uses the topic of justice to help teach us that we ought always to pray and not lose heart in this parable. In Psalm 56, eight, it says, you have kept count of my tossings. Have you ever tossed and turned in bed? Over and over and over, you can't sleep and you just keep rolling around? Did you know that apparently God has counted the number of times you've turned over? So it's not just your spouse who's counted it. Hey, cut it out, right? (laughs) You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? You've kept count of my tossings. You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? The psalmist says that the Lord knew every drop of tear. Knew that one and that tear in fact kept them kept the tears in a bottle filled up the bottle with the tears have you ever considered how many tears you've cried that one and that one and god knew every tear that dropped he's kept them they've been recorded those those nights where the tears just flew out of your face You cried all your tears out to where there was no tears left. You ran dry of tears. And God knew that tear fell. And he knew that tear fell. And he knew that tear fell. You've kept count of my tossings. You put my tears in a bottle. Are they not in your book? You know, the problem is, is, Man, we can cry all our tears out, and we can pray all our prayers out, and we can run out of everything, and then we can get to a place where we just stop praying. We stop praying, and we lose heart. And Jesus gives this parable because he knows that's going to happen in our life. He knows we're going to stop praying. He knows we're going to lose heart, so he gives us this parable. So we ought always to pray and not lose heart. In 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9, it says, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. In our view, we can perceive God is really lagging. Like I've been praying very specific that God would show up at this time and answer my prayer in this way, and he's late. He's not doing what I've asked. He's slow. And this passage is saying, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. But he's patient towards you. Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. God's always on time. His timetable might not be your timetable. His timetable might not be my timetable. But he's never late. He's not slow. He's always on time. I read an incredible story about some missionaries to the Bechuanas at the Kuruman, Dr. Robert and Mary Moffat. For 10 years, they're sharing Christ with this people group, and no one comes to Christ for 10 years. Sharing Jesus, sharing the gospel, talking about the Lord. No one comes to Christ for 10 years. Well, eight years into it, one of their friends from England says, hey, what what do you need? We'll send you something. And Mary, in incredible faith, says, I think you should send us a communion set. I think we'll need it soon. No one had come to Christ. She asked for a communion set. Well, they didn't send the communion set for a year, and then when they sent the communion set, it took 12 months to get there. So, two years after she asked for the communion set, it shows up. And it shows up two days before they're scheduled to take their first communion with the first six believers from that tribe. Mary Moffat had faith that the Lord was going to bring people to Jesus and asked for a communion set before any one of them ever came to Christ. And God honored her faith, and that communion set showed up two days before they needed it. Man, I'm thankful for examples like that of people who are not giving up and they're gonna to continue to pray, they're gonna to continue to follow the Lord, they're gonna to continue to share Jesus, and they're gonna trust in God's timing, in God's timing, his will will be done. One of the things we can think is that God doesn't see us anymore, he doesn't hear us anymore. Psalm 34, 15, the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous and his ears towards their cry. God sees his kids, God hears his, his kids. God sees his kids and God hears his kids. One woman named Hagar, which you can read about in Genesis 16, she had a tough go. She had a really tough go. You can read about it in Genesis 16. So Hagar called the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly here I have seen him who looks after me. She's like, you are God who sees. That's who you are. Because here I am in my difficulty and you see me. You see me right here in my difficulty. We'll come back to our, our text here in Luke 18. So we're here hearing about the judge here in verse four. It says, for a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me. Have you ever had somebody just bother you? They just, they're just a bother. I mean, just, just bother. They just bother you and bother you. Finally, you're like, you can have whatever you want. Just stop bothering me. That's what happens to this judge. He's like, this widow just keeps bothering me. I just want her to stop bothering me. Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. Some people have a wonderful spiritual gift of beating others down with their continual coming. She didn't quit. She didn't give up. She kept coming. She kept believing. Pastor Scott Stubbart is the pastor of our Celebrate Recovery ministry, which is an incredible ministry. Meets right here Tuesday nights. It's an amazing ministry. And one of the things Pastor Scott shared with me on Tuesday is a saying he likes to share in Celebrate Recovery, and this is it Don't quit before the miracle happens. Don't quit before the miracle happens. The Bible has some examples of, of some people who waited a long time. In Genesis 15, 13, it says, Then the Lord said to Abram, before he was called Abraham, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. 400 years. That's a generation and another generation and another generation and another. Do you know how many grandpas that is? That is so many grandpas. 400 years. God says, they're gonna be suffering for 400 years. How many, how many of people in those generations are like, God's not listening, God's not hearing me, we're still suffering? Well, in Exodus 3, 7, we hear, the Lord addressed it. Then the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings. Right on time, not late, on God's schedule. It just happened to be 400 years later, but it was perfect timing in God's time. He hears their cry. He knows their suffering. Another example of some folks who, man, they waited They waited also, Zechariah and Elizabeth. We hear about them in Luke 1. It says they're old in age and didn't have any children. Man, they're probably praying for kids over and over and over and over and over and over. Verse 13, but the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. That was John the Baptist. Well, here's the thing. A couple prays for a child and then they pray for a child, and then they pray for a child, and they keep praying for a child. They don't even remember how many times they've prayed for a child. But there comes an age when they stop praying for a child. I thought about it this week. What would it be if my grandmother told me that she was pregnant today? How would that go down? Do you think this was the timing that they were praying for? God We were kind of hoping to do that, like, in our youth. Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. God answered their prayer, not in the timing they wanted, but God answered their prayer. We can give up. We can lose heart as I think about praying for my neighbors, I, I use this tool called the Bless Every Home app. It's pretty simple, it's on my phone. It gives me five people to pray for every day, a Bible verse, and their addresses. And so I set it on my phone to where it'll, it'll give me a notification at 5 a.m. every morning. That way when I, when I get my phone, the first thing I see is this first one, right? So it's the first notification on my phone, so I'll click on it, I'll remember to click on it, because it's the first one I see. And I just get in my truck, and I'll go drive by five houses, Pray for those five houses by name, look at the verse, pray the verse over my neighbors. This is the type of stuff I prayed this week. Tuesday and Wednesday, I was praying against irreverent babble, praying for encouraging words to draw my neighbors to Christ, 2 Timothy 2, 16 through 17. Thursday, I was reminded that I'm saved to be a servant of God, praying for my neighbors to experience victory as they wholeheartedly trust and obey Jesus, Galatians 1.10. Friday, reminded that every name, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven on earth, and under the earth, and that God would convict my neighbors of a need to confess Jesus as their Savior, Philippians 2, 10 through 11. Yesterday, Saturday, I was reminded that the love of Christ surpasses knowledge displayed in the mystery of Christ in the church, and praying that my neighbors might discover the mystery of God's love, Ephesians 5, 32. Just continue to pray. Just going to continue to pray. Going to continue to pray. Maybe you need to be praying for your neighbors. Maybe you need a tool like this to help remind you to pray. I just encourage you. It's very easy to use. You can download it. You can find our church on there. You can be a part of our church on there and be praying for our neighbors. But to not give up, to always pray and to not lose heart. So when we come back to our parable here, we find out more of the story in verse 6. It says, And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God. So now Jesus is going to compare and contrast this unrighteous God with, I mean, excuse me, the unrighteous judge with a righteous God. So he's now gonna say, this is what the unrighteous judge does and, and compare now that to a righteous God. And this is effect number two, is that we ought to discern between a righteous God and a people of unrighteousness. We're surrounded by people of unrighteousness. And we need to be careful not to, see what the people of unrighteousness are doing, and to blame God for that. When we see what the people of unrighteousness are doing, we need to be able to discern. We we ought to discern the difference between the actions of a righteous God and the actions of a people of unrighteousness. So in Luke 18, six through eight, it says, and the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says, and will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them Speedily, we can think from our perspective, God's delaying. We can think from our perspective, God is slow. But this passage, Jesus is teaching us, God doesn't delay in bringing his justice. We may perceive it as a delay, but he he does not delay in giving justice. He does it speedily over his kids, his sons, and his daughters. God gives justice to them speedily, even if we don't perceive it speedily. In Isaiah thirty-three twenty-two, it says, for the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, he will save us. So the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, and he's the one who's gonna save us. In June of 2020, everybody's favorite year was 2020, right? Yeah, just a really awesome year. In June of 2020, the court system opened back up again. And my wife and I had been waiting to receive a court date so that we could adopt our two sons, Angel and Julian. And on June 30th of 2020, um, we received our court date and we went to court. And when we got to court, we found out from the bailiff or someone else who was working there, hey, your judge is not gonna be here today. And that was kind of a bummer for us because we'd been working with this judge for like three years. And so we were bummed out that the judge wasn't gonna be there. So we walk in and uh, And we see who the judge is, and right away, I I recognize the judge. And so I told my son, Angel, I said, Angel, do you see who the judge is? Do Do you recognize the judge? The judge that day was the same person who for the last three years was the lawyer defending my sons. But that day, the lawyer put on a judge robe and became a judge. And I looked at my son and I said, do you see that? That is a picture of Jesus Christ. Because he is our defender, he is the one who defends us, and he is our judge. For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, the Lord is our king, and he will save us. The very judge that we have is the very defender that we have. It was an amazing moment for my family. In verse 8. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? In other words, Jesus is calling himself the Son of Man. When Jesus returns, will he find people on earth who are trusting God as just? Remember, the parable is about justice, about the justice of God. When Jesus returns, will he find people on earth who are trusting that God Is just, And this is effect number three that ought to take place in our lives from this parable. We ought to believe God, trust God, have faith in God so that Jesus will find us doing so when he comes again. We ought to believe God, trust God, and have faith in God because Jesus is going to come back and we need to be found believing God, trusting God, having faith in God when Jesus comes back. That Jesus will find us in that state when Jesus returns. You know, as we're praying, sometimes God answers our prayer in the opposite way that we have prayed them. For the last two years, I've been praying with a family, a mom, a dad, two boys. Those two boys have been in the California foster care system. And I have prayed over and over and over and over and over that God would reunite this family that these two boys can come back to this mom and this dad. I've prayed it over and over and over and over. I've used all my tears. I've used all my prayers. And I've asked God to reunite this family. And it appears that God is answering my prayers very differently than the way that I've asked. He's answering my prayers, but he's not answering my prayers in the way that I've asked. And that's very difficult for me. So, what do I do? Well, I got to believe God and I got to trust God and I got to have faith in God that He is working out His will and it's right, though it looks very different than what I have asked for and what I have prayed for. I got to believe Him, I got to trust Him, and I got to have faith in Him because that's the state I need to be in when Jesus returns. I need to be believing God, trusting God, having faith in God, even when he is answering my prayers in a way that is very, very different than the way that I've asked. I read an incredible story about a man named Polycarp who died in AD 162. He was a follower of Jesus and it was a time of great persecution and they found him they brought him into the center of the town with the proconsul, council, and they condemned him to death. They were gonna burn him on the stake in front of everybody. And the proconsul then urged him, saying, swear, and I will release thee, reproach Christ. In other words, deny Jesus right here, and you can go free. Turn your back on Jesus, and you can go free. Tell us you don't follow Jesus, and you can go free. And this was his response. Eighty and six years I have served him, and he never once wronged me. How then shall I blaspheme my king who hath saved me? Polycarp said, Eighty and six years I have served him, and he never once wronged me. How then shall I blaspheme my king who hath saved me? Psalm 62, five through seven says, For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him, he only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Maybe you need to be praying this, praying these verses. For God alone, oh my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. When you came in today, we handed out these cards. I say pray one more time on them. What I want to challenge you to do, we're going to have a time of extended worship. Pastor Brandon's going to lead us through an acoustic worship set. It's about four songs long, and it's plenty of time for you to do what I'm going to challenge you to do right now. I don't know what the thing is that you have prayed over and you have prayed over. You have used all your tears up over. You've used all your prayers over. You're all cried out. You're all prayed out. But Jesus teaches us this parable that we ought always to pray and not lose heart. And so my challenge is let's pray one more time about it right now. Let's let's obey the teaching of Jesus together. Let's encourage one another to obey the teaching of Jesus together. Let's pray one more time. Whatever the thing is you've been praying about and praying about and praying about and praying about, and maybe you gave up praying and you lost heart praying about it, let's pray one more time. During these next four songs, you've got plenty of time. Write out your prayer, and then after you've written out your prayer, bring your prayer up here and just stick it in the cross here and give it to Jesus. Just put it somewhere in these nails and just give it to him. And together we will encourage one another to be obedient to the teaching of Jesus that we ought always to pray and not lose heart. So whatever that place of pain is, that place of torment, that broken relationship, that financial hardship, that job loss, that health crisis, that family situation, whatever it is, let's pray one more time. Let's pray one more time. Let's encourage one another. Let's pray one more time. Father God, Lord, as we pray and obey the teaching of your word, God, would you use this as a powerful time in our church? Would you change us? Would you make us new? Would you work in us? Would you transform us? And would you build our faith? Would this be a moment where our faith is built in Jesus? Would this be a powerful moment where our faith is is strengthened and built in Jesus. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said. Amen. 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 Let's pray. Let's pray.